Welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. As we're here with Texas Tech, we'll talk a little bit about this game, not as much as we're going to preview the OU game, but Texas Tech beats BYU 85-78, outscoring them 53-30 to in the second half. And also, a lot of midweek basketball took place, including one which after Saturday, Texas Tech was seeing tied for first with Kansas State. And Kansas State goes down in Ames last night. So Texas Tech alone on top, uh, 4-1. Now there are four teams half a game behind them, so they'll need to beat OU to stay there. And we'll talk mostly about that OU game coming up and what that means the rest of the way. All right, we'll go through the BYU game for a couple minutes here. And uh, let's just say BYU had you completely confused in the first half. You haven't quite seen that five-out look like it this season. They played a lot through their center, and boy, were they hitting threes in that first half. Um, They were unconscious from threes in that first half. It was unbelievable what they were able to do there. But... At halftime, you're down 16. The game's not over yet, but it seems like, okay, well, you get a week off. You got a week to recover, get a chance to go into a non-hostile environment in OU, get a big win after that to play a top 15 team. Uh, It kind of felt like that a little bit. And then Pop Isaacs just absolutely goes off. He had 32 points in the game, 23 in the second half, including that dagger from the corner. Also, Warren Washington, 19 points on the day. Um, everybody else in your starting lineup was held to single digits. I will talk about Joe Toussaint a little bit. He went one of ten. He's had a couple rough games in a row now. Just kind of a just a cold spell. I don't think it's any reason to worry too much. And then Chance McMillan, also really good for you. 14 points, 4 of 7 from the field, only took two threes in this game and hit one of them. But, um, one big defensive adjustment. It seemed like you were fighting through screens better in that second half. It seemed like you were fighting through screens because in the first half, they got a lot of open looks. They were just beating you to places. And you got to give a lot of credit to not just the coaching staff for those adjustments, but the players in the locker room to keep fighting down 16. I mean, a, a game where you were down 16 at half and you have the second biggest margin of victory across the Big 12 that day in seven games, that is pretty insane. And a lot of other results went your way on Saturday to have you back tied in just a two-way tie for first place. So just going through the Big 12 games from Saturday, Texas beat Baylor. Um at home on a buzzer beer. I mean, it was insane. Baylor, Texas, first of all, they started 9 of 11 from 3 in this game, as did West Virginia. Um, and then they're figuring out their guard play. They they are figuring some stuff out, and you could see that against OU as well. But, man, Baylor going the last six minutes without hitting a field goal, then hitting the Jalen Bridges one just for Tyrese Hunter to drive down, put the dagger in them. Cincinnati lost another tie game. This one at home to Oklahoma, 69-65. TCU, by the way, uh, that kid they had in point guard, uh, Iowa State, uh, Curtis Jones, seven steals. Seven steals. TCU turned the ball over 27 times. I think TCU's going to be okay. Uh, But Iowa State without Taman Lipsy at home, that's a game TCU should have won. 
Houston took care of business against UCF. UCF put up 14 points in the first half. So if you were worried about how bad our offense looked against Houston, uh, well, you got uh, you got some concerns uh, dialed in a little bit when you saw they held UCF to 14. UCF still covered, by the way. And then, of course, you score over 50 in the second half against BYU. West Virginia upsets Kansas at home. Kansas has four guys. And now we'll talk about what they did in the midweek, but Kansas really only has four guys. They have K.J. Adams, Kevin McCore, Hunter Dickinson, and Dewan Harris. And really, they only got one guard. I know that Kevin McCore's listed as a guard. He's a Ford. He's not a natural guard. And then, of course, the nightcap, Kansas State beats Oklahoma State with another blown lead. And so all that has you sitting in first place, tied with Kansas State. And you watch the other games take place. Kansas knocks off Cincinnati, another tight loss for Cincinnati. They've been close on a lot of games they were not supposed to win. Houston beats BYU 75-68. Man, there were some bad calls at the end of that game. That win against BYU. I, I wonder BYU's crowd not being able to chant at Houston has something to do with that. TCU comes back. Oklahoma State blows another lead. Mike Boynton needs to go. UCF demolishes West Virginia to go to 3-3 uh, three and three in conference play. And then last night, Iowa State beats Kansas State, which puts you alone in first atop the Big 12. I'm certainly not saying that Texas Tech is going to stay at the top of the Big 12 or even compete for a conference title. I think that would be a little bit too far out of our reach at this point. I think most people would agree that's not what this team is right now. They probably don't have the depth for it. But to be sitting here on January 25th, and you have a chance now. You have two road games in not too hostile of environments, Norman and Fort Worth. You control your destiny to go into February, sitting alone atop the Big 12, and we'll talk more about how that can happen, and we'll dive into Oklahoma a little bit here right now. So Oklahoma, want to preface by saying this. They are the number 11 team in the nation. They are a tournament team. They can win tournament games and give teams fits. They are a competitive team. They are an overrated team as well. So when you look at their schedule, okay, why did they get here? What were their impressive wins? They beat Iowa on a neutral court. By the way, Iowa State just bent Iowa over earlier this season, a little bit after this game. They beat a USC team by two. And by the way, USC is terrible. But they were ranked at the time. They beat Providence, who's going on downward trend. That was an impressive win. They beat a bad Arkansas team. And then they lost by 12 to North Carolina, who was probably a worse North Carolina than they are now. Now, they're not a bad team. In conference play, they took care of <coughs> Sorry, Iowa State at home, lost at TCU, lost at Kansas, which was expected, beat West Virginia at home, although that was a little touch and go there for the first 20 minutes. And then they beat Cincinnati on the road. Cincinnati to be completely honest, on the road, I thought that was their most impressive win of the season. But this loss against Texas Tech, when you look at this team, the reason for concern is their bigs. And none of their bigs are overly impressive. So they have Moore, they have Godwin, and they have Hugley. It was Godwin and Moore starting against Texas. 
Their guards are Owe, McCollum, and Uzan. It Owe got 10 points. That was the most any of their guards got. I'm not convinced by this team's guard play. Now, where they can get you is down low. And uh, Jalen Moore is a guy that you're going to need to watch. And they do something kind of interesting. So they are much different than you. You only really have one big. If you want to consider, okay, what our three bigs are, then it's Darian Williams and then it would be Robert Jennings. Warren Washington plays almost every minute of every game. When you take a look at how OU is using their bigs in conference play, Jalen Moore is probably their best big. He gets 24.3 minutes a game over the six games. Hugley's getting 19, and Godwin's getting 15.5. So they're pretty, they rotate them a lot. If you were to take our two bigs plus Robert Jennings, you have Darian Williams, and you have Warren Washington playing the majority of the game, and then you have Robert Jennings subbing in for a few minutes a game. The thing that worries me here, and I'll talk about some reasons to be excited, but the worry for me is that they wear you down. They wear you down. And this is why I think this game's coming at the perfect time. So Oklahoma, still a top 15 team in the nation, ranked number 11. A win over them on the road will look great on a resume. Oklahoma does not have a really good crowd. Neither of the Oklahoma schools do. If, if you saw that Oklahoma State TCU game, that stadium, embarrassingly empty. They are out on Mike Boynton. But Oklahoma's crowd is one of the more tame crowds in the entire country. It's a 1 p.m. game after the crowd actually showed up for a game against Texas and got blown out. I think there's a good chance this is a kind of dead atmosphere. I think there's a really good chance. For a 1 p.m. game, this could be a dead atmosphere. This is a team that's coming off of a tough loss to their arch rivals. And the way that they can beat you is wearing down your bigs. And you got a full week off to rest. Which I think you need it, and I think Joe Toussaint especially need it. But where you're going to have the advantage, and that's I'm just saying that could neutralize it. Where you're going to have the advantage is going to be in your backcourt, or frontcourt, sorry. Owe, he, he's okay. He's shooting 333 from the field. McCollum's shooting 409 from the field. And then you go to Uzan, who's shooting 424 from the field. I mean, McCollum's their best guard for sure. He's averaging 14.5 points a game. Owe's getting 10.3, and Uzan's getting 9.8. I think, and then you have some guys like Soros that comes in as well. He's kind of like their version of Chance McMillan. Not quite catch and shoot, but he's the sixth man off the bench who's going to get over 20 minutes a game. This is a really good chance for Texas Tech to get a statement win here. And your backcourt's going to need to play well. Joe Toussaint has had a terrible last couple games. I, I do think he's kind of forcing it a bit. He's looking for contact a lot, which... You know, sometimes you like that. It worked uh, out against Kansas State. Sometimes it's not really working for you at all. Uh, but Toussaint was 1 for 10 this past game. And now he's still a good distributor. He He's not a, he's not playing terribly. He's really good on defense for you still. Uh, he had 5 assists to 1 turnover, so that's a good margin. But he was 1 for 10 from the field. You can't be going 1 for 10 from the field. 
You just can't. And now, he's still, even when he's playing like that, he's still a guy that he got 26 minutes in this game. So they cut his minutes down, but he was still not just an empty space out there because he's, he has five assists to one turnover, and he's a good defender. The thing that makes me feel good about this, even if Joe Toussaint's off, and I know that people have been saying you're too, this team's too reliant on Pop Isaacs, I'm not sure about that because early in the season, Pop Isaacs was basically missing in action and you're still getting offense from Toussaint, Chance McMillan, guys like that. I am going to be interested to see how we utilize this against their bigs. Uh, so there's the backcourt rotation. There's the frontcourt rotation. Let's go to the backcourt. So we saw Robert Jennings play pretty well against Houston. He only got three minutes in this game against BYU, and I get that you were coming from behind, but Warren Washington, when Robert Jennings is only getting three minutes, he's out there for 37 minutes. Darian Williams was out there for 34 minutes. I am interested to see with how Oklahoma is relying on their bigs, is there any scenario where Robert Jennings comes in and plays a four? So you're not going with that four-guard lineup when Darian Williams switch. I know people call him a guard. I always saw him as a forward. I see him more as a small forward than a power forward. But I see Darian Williams as a forward. But there is a lineup where Warren Washington's in. You have Darian Williams out. Then you have like Isaacs, Walton, Toussaint, Lamar Lamar Washington. Or you have McMillan in there somewhere. Is there a scenario against an OU team that uses their bigs? And there will be times in the game. That they go for a little bit of small ball for 15, 10, 10, 15 minutes in this game. Is there a scenario with how Robert Jennings played against Houston that you see him playing the four for Darian Williams to get a bit of a breather? Can we do that? Because it, I, I understand the rotation worked this game. It really did. And against a BYU team that didn't have Waterman and, you know, Khalifa, he's a good distributor. They compared him to Jokic, which... Okay, calm down, guys. But he is a good distributor for a big man. And it was the right matchup then because they didn't have their other center. But when you play an Oklahoma team that's guard play isn't as strong as yours but likes to get the ball down low, is it going to be worthwhile for Texas Tech to maybe roll Warren Washington and Robert Jennings out there at the same time? Especially when you have a full week to work on Robert Jennings at the four and try out that lineup a bit in practice. And Kerwin Walton, uh, he's going to be your starter at that three position. You're obviously going to go Toussaint and Isaacs again. Uh, Chance McMillan, he saw 32 minutes in this game, so he can come in anytime. I think that is the most minutes he's seen in the game this season. And then you have Lamar Washington, who only got six minutes, which... Mar Washington hasn't been bad. He, he made a huge play for you against Kansas State. Uh, but it, with how deep you are in the guard position, I, I don't think that you need to see his usage go, go over 10 minutes. I think 8-9 minutes is good enough for him in this game. This is a game that I know it's on the road, which is tough. But it is not a hostile atmosphere. It is at 11 in the nation, but they, they're really not the 11th best basketball team in this country. I'm sorry, they're just not. You have a really good chance for back-to-back Big 12 wins. And just talking about the schedule the rest of the way. 
So I said, coming into this year, if you can go 9-9, nine and nine, you're obviously going to be in the tournament. If you go 9-9 nine and nine in Big 12 play. And that would be a success. And this team can actually do more than that. They can do more than just make the tournament. But when you look at this schedule the rest of the way, you got to think about it. How do we get to nine wins? So you have some road games at the end. Your last three road games are in Orlando, in Morgantown, in Stillwater. You can get at least one of those. At least one of those. Just assume you get one. So you got your second road win of the season there. Because you already went to Austin and won. If you can beat OU today and assume you get one of those, all you would need to do to make the tournament is go 3-3 three and three at home. And the home games you have left, Cincinnati, UCF, Kansas, TCU, Texas, and Baylor. No, it's not 100% easy, but you're at home. You have a great home court advantage. You're going to go at least 3-3 three and three in those games. You should win one of your last three road games. And let's assume you lose in Fort Worth, you lose in Ames, you lose uh, in Waco. If you win this game and get one of your last three road games against three of the weaker teams in the Big 12, you only need to go 500 at home the rest of the way. And you have a game against UCF, Cincinnati at home, Texas, who you've beat, TCU, who's looked vulnerable, Baylor, who... Look, Baylor's good, but they're not anything special. It, it is very realistic for you to coast into the or coast into March into your last three games and already have nine Big Twelve wins and know that you're going to go play for that play in the NCAA tournament. And just to give you all a heads up on where this team is in all the metrics, Ken Palm has them as the is probably the most friendly toward to you. You're at 29th in Ken Palm. My God. Uh, you're 30th in T rank. And then Net, you're still lagging a little bit behind in Net at 34, which, by the way, Oklahoma is 35 in the Net. So this is a quad one game coming up. But yeah, Oklahoma's sitting 35 in the Net. I don't I don't know how the polls haven't caught up with Oklahoma, how, how they haven't looked and seen that, okay, this is a good team. They're a tournament team. But yeah, let's. Let's go take a look at uh, what their non-com wins. That got them ranked so high were. It doesn't look that great. And then Bracketology, ESPN show Lenardi, who isn't quite great at his job, but he has you as at an eight seed right now, which is pretty fair. Uh, CBS, Jerry Palm, after the Texas win, he didn't even have you in the first four out. He has you up at a six seed right now, projected to play Texas A&M. I think my goal for this team would be a six seed. I... I'm not saying that's a ceiling. Obviously, they can go on a tear, end up higher than a six seed. But if you gave me a six seed right now, I'd take that in a heartbeat. I'd like that draw. I'd even take a seven seed. I'd take a 10 seed even or 11 seed. I don't want to be in that 8-9 matchup. That's the one thing I don't want for Tech to be in that 8-9 matchup because you have to play a one. And I know it sounds greedy concerning coming into the year. I thought that, yeah, if you could just make the tournament, that's a huge win. Well, now things have changed a little bit, and you you are a team that could make the Sweet 16 with the right draw. Um, so if you can, go ahead and give us a five-star review. Subscribe. Uh, if you go ahead, send a screenshot of your review to jacksonmoody37 at gmail.com. We'll go ahead and get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. 
in the mail. And sorry for my cough today, but let's make some picks for this coming Saturday's games around the Big 12. So starting off the day, you have Kansas State at Houston. Houston, I'm sorry. If there's Kansas State fans out there thinking they're being Houston, they're not. Houston just got a big road win in Provo. Um, They're going to be a force at home. And Kansas State, I think they're a tournament team, but I don't think they're all that good. And then you have a really good game at 1230 on CBS with Kansas at Iowa State. I like Iowa State in this one. Now, Kansas found a fifth guy in Furphy, so they now have two guards. But Furphy also kind of got bullied against West Virginia a couple times. I think Iowa State could do a little bit of the same to them, especially if Taman Lipsy's back. Um, at one same time as your game, Texas goes to Provo. This is a game BYU really needs. I mean, Texas is going to feel like they need it too, but those wins in Oklahoma and Norman and at home against Baylor put them on the right track. They they have a good chance to make the tournament now, even if they lose in Provo. BYU, if they want to stay safe and all the bracketology stuff still has them top twenty five or top five seeds, um, I think BYU is going to be playing with a little bit of desperation. And with BYU, it kind of just depends on how they shoot the ball. West Virginia plays Oklahoma State. <coughs> Sorry. State in Stillwater at 1 p.m. in the Crap Bowl. I think Oklahoma State finally gets a win here. They're 0-6 right now. I mean, I don't think home court advantage is going to mean much for Oklahoma State. I think all it means is they don't have to go to Morgantown. Um, Oklahoma State is not a good basketball team right now. They can't find a way to close out games. They blow big leads constantly. I I think they do get this win, but nothing's going to be safe, and I am not touching this game. But if Jesse Edwards is back for West Virginia, I'd take West Virginia in a heartbeat. And then at 3 p.m., TCU goes to Waco. TCU, by the way, two and four in conference play now. They were, or sorry, three and three. They beat Oklahoma State. They really need this win. Um, well, maybe they don't really need it, but to keep pace, they need it. Baylor. When you're talking about the Big 12 title race, if they want to stay in it, they have to defend home court, and they have got to do that against TCU. That's going to be a hostile game. Then UCF at Cincinnati. Cincinnati really needs this one. They just fell out of uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology. They're in the first four out right now. I think they're the first team out. UCF, if they could do this, they could start appearing in some bracketology. They really can. But Cincinnati, they have got to find a way to win this one. And then, of course, at 1 p.m., Texas Tech at Oklahoma on ESPN+. I really think Texas Tech gets this win. I I said this a couple weeks ago. The way this schedule worked out where you get a full week off before you go to Norman and they have to play their arch rivals in Texas, I think that benefits you. I think with how tired Joe Toussaint looked, it really benefited you. I think Warren Washington, he just went for 19 points. He'll be able to, with a week's rest, compete with our bigs. And I think Tech Tech pulls this one off. And boy, would this be a huge win. And then you go into Fort Worth. If you can get this one, you go into Fort Worth with a real chance to go into February, sitting alone atop the Big 12 with maybe only one or two teams within a game of you. But that's going to do it for this one. We'll be back. Uh, We'll have one released Monday morning. We'll do it Sunday night. 
as uh, we play Saturday against Oklahoma, and then on Tuesday at 6 p.m. against TCU in Fort Worth. And that'll conclude the road stretch before you get Cincinnati at home next Saturday. 